Happy Sunday to you. It is such a joy and a privilege to be with you today. It's not only just a general happy Sunday, there's a couple of milestones and things to celebrate. It's happy Master's Sunday to you. And uh, for those of us in the Atlanta area, in the South, and in Atlanta and Georgia, this is always a special time of year where the azaleas are blooming and we get to celebrate the wonder and the joy of spring. I want to show with you um, my new favorite tie. This is my new master's tie. I love it. It's got pimento cheese and egg salad sandwiches. You've got, you know, sweet tea that you can drink in the shade and golf balls. These are a few of my favorite things to quote the musical. And uh, so what a joy and privilege it is for us to get to share in the glory of life. And let me just go ahead and, you know, just settle a very important and contentious debate right at the beginning of this um, I know it's egg salad versus pimento cheese, but it's not even really a fair fight. It is pimento cheese all the way. And so we hope that you're getting to celebrate the wonder of spring together. And for us at Peachtree, there's actually an even bigger celebration today that we are celebrating what we don't normally do in the spring, which is our confirmation class, that we're welcoming nearly 100 eighth graders into the life and the full membership of the church, that 13 of them are being baptized here today, here in the life of the congregation. So this is truly a day of celebration, of rejoicing, and being glad in what God has given to us. And we are kicking off a new series today. In this new series, we're calling it Everyday Holy, and we're talking about the sacredness that can be found in our everyday life. And so we're talking about sacred people and spaces and rhythm and reflection and wisdom and art and sacred journeys. Today, we're going to be talking about sacred people. And in order to do that, I want to kind of enter in today with a little bit of something that you're not prepared for. You might you might remember these that your teacher would do in school, and that is a pop quiz. So here is today's pop quiz. Here we go. According to the Bible, who is a saint? A saint is a professional football player for New Orleans. A saint is a deceased super Christian. Or a saint, according to the Bible, is each member of Peachtree's confirmation class. You can turn to somebody next to you if you're watching with somebody else. You can wrestle with this on your own. But the answer is C. The answer is every member of the confirmation class is a saint. And you might be thinking to yourself, hold on, I'm a parent of one of those eighth graders. There's no way you can call my eighth grader a saint. I just know too much. Or maybe you're one of those eighth graders yourself and you're like, I know way too much about myself. There's no way I'm a saint. What are you talking about, pastor? Well, today I want to rescue the concept of sainthood from a glorious misunderstanding. And the first way that we need to understand this is that we have to separate a dichotomy that when we say saint, we're almost thinking of the opposite of something else. We often pit a saint versus a sinner against one another. But in reality, in the Bible, the way that we understand these terms, yes, there are such things as sinners, and yes, there are such things as saints, but they are not pitted against one another. We have to break that dichotomy in order to understand what someone who's holy or someone who would be a saint really is. So let me explain to you, according to the Bible, a couple of misconceptions that we just need to deal with right out of the gate. And the first one is this. Saints in the Bible are always 
in the plural. Over 60 times in the New Testament, the word saint appears, and it never appears in the singular. It is always a y'all version of saint. It is saints. And the second thing that we learn is that saints in the Bible always refers not to a subset of people, but to the whole church. In fact, most of the time when you see Paul addressing the saints and you see all the different times that it's used, it's often at the beginning and the ending of those letters in reference to all of them. So let me give you a couple of examples of this. Let me see if I can show you a couple of scriptures in the New Testament where they talk about saints. Here's the first one from the book of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to God's holy people, the holy people's translated saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Here's the book of Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people, to all God's saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, to the church of God in Corinth, to those who are sanctified, being made holy in Christ Jesus and called to be his saints, his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Now, here's what you need to understand. When you think about like the church at Ephesus that was in the midst of such disunity and such confusion, you think of the church at Philippi where people like Udai and Syntyche were, you know, fighting against one another and there was all kinds of posturing going on in that church and a lack of humility. And then you think about the church at Corinth. I mean, the church at Corinth was a mess. I mean, there was not only fighting, there was lying, there was gossip, there was disorder, there was a lack of love. I mean, there was so much that was missing. In fact, in the beginning of the second letter of Corinthians, Paul talks about how, like, how much anguish and pain the Corinthian church brings to him. And yet, he calls all of them, in each of those different churches, he refers to all of them as saints. So what exactly is going on here? When you and I sing the song, holy, 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 what does it really mean? Today, I want to rescue or redeem the concept of sainthood. And in order to do so, I need to rescue it from its stained glass portrayal I love the beautiful art of stained glass. I love and I respect traditions that have a different understanding of this. But when we look at images like this stained glass and we think that this individual kind of understanding of sainthood is what's really there, then we need to recalibrate when we say in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the communion of saints. What does that communion really mean? Well, I gave you a quiz for the week. Now I'm going to give you a Hebrew word for the week. And the word is kadosh. This is the Hebrew term for what it means to be made holy. Now, if you understand the constituent parts of this Hebrew ancient word, it means to be set apart. It means to be cut apart or set aside for a specific use, for a particular use. In other words, the understanding is that this is an ordinary thing and I'm going to set it aside to be a special thing, a holy thing. I want you to think as an example of this. Imagine you are a 35-year-old woman and you walk into your closet and you've got a variety of different kinds of clothes that are there. 
you have your kind of your hangout clothes, which you wear when you're just kind of kind of milling about your apartment or your house. You have your work clothes. Those are the clothes that you put on in order to be able to go and to, to do your job, whether that's a uniform or whether that's a suit or whatever the case may be, but you have some specific work clothes. And then imagine you also have some workout clothes. These are the kinds of clothes that you put on in order to be able to exercise. And if you're that 35-year-old woman and if you happen to be married, then you probably have one particular dress. It would be like this. It would be a wedding dress. Now, if you stop to think about it, you as a 35-year-old woman would not confuse those outfits, meaning if you show up at work and you're not wearing your uniform, but you're wearing you know, your workout clothes, then people are going to be confused and you're going to be kind of uh, dressed inappropriately. Or, you know, if you're like hanging out in, you know, your more formal clothes while you're just milling about your house. And you certainly wouldn't put on your wedding dress in order to go exercise. Unless, of course, you're like this woman in Britain, a picture I found on the internet this week of a woman who was training for a marathon in her wedding dress. Part of the reason that this image is so shocking is that you are taking something that was meant to be special, that was meant to be set aside, that was for a particular and intended use, and you're using it in a very, very different way. So one of the kind of leading verses in whole books of the Bible, in fact, on holiness is the book of Leviticus. And one of the, rephr- the phrases that repeats is kind of birthed in this phrase here, uh, Leviticus 11, verse 45. It says this, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. In other words, holiness is rooted in the character of God, and it's also rooted in the activity of God, that God's rescuing and saving work is what incites and inspires holiness, and that our holiness, if anything at all, is derivative of his holiness. And so I want to give you kind of a definition of what a saint is in the Bible. The saints are the community of God's holy orders. Let me see if I can illustrate that for you. It was about a year ago when Kelly and I woke up early in order to go for a walk. And uh, we were going to go for a long walk and we were going to talk. One of the primary ways that Kelly and I get to hang out and connect with one another in uninterrupted time and the busyness of our lives is to get up early and to be able to enjoy a walk around the neighborhood. And as we were getting ready to do this, we were out in the front yard when we see two cats in our front yards. And, and these were not just any ordinary cats. We actually recognized these cats. We have some friends who live about a half a mile down the road, and they have uh, a dog, and they have two cats. The cats are named Cornflake and Pancake. And uh, we couldn't for the life of us. We, I mean, they are a long way from home. I'm sure that they were completely lost. And so Kelly picked up one of the cats, which nestled quickly into Kelly's arms. And I tried to pick up the other cat, which began to hiss and claw and try to bite me and wanted to destroy me. Um, I don't remember if it was cornflake or pancake, but either cornflakes or pancakes do not agree with me. And so I'm trying to hold this cat and hold it without getting uh, mauled. And Kelly is curled up with her cat and we're walking the half of mile 
over to our friend's house in order to be able to return their pets. It's one of the longest half miles that I've ever had to walk, and it was quite treacherous, and Kelly is laughing at me the entire time. Um, empathy is not her strongest gift in our marriage. She has lots of other great gifts, but that's, that's not her strongest. And she's laughing at me while we're trying to get there. And as we're both cracking up and trying to get these cats to return to their home, I remember thinking to myself, this is a really good sermon illustration that what began as just an ordinary walk was turning into a rescue operation. In other words, what started out as an ordinary event was turning into a holy event. It was turning into an event that was being set aside for a particular purpose. When you and I are talking about us being saints, when we're talking about us being holy, what we're talking about is that God has chosen us for a particular purpose, that God has set us apart in order to be on mission with him, that rescue mission, or what we call the restoration of all things. I remember one time I was playing golf with a group of people, and there was one guy in the group that I didn't know, and uh, he was not a Christian, and at one point he kind of made the glib comment about how Christians think that they're better than everyone else. And I stopped him and I said, look, I actually don't think that I'm better than anybody else. I don't think Christians are better than anyone else. But here's what I do believe. I believe our mission and our purpose is better than all other missions and purposes out there. And he opened his mouth to like object. And I said, no, wait, before you object, stop and think about it for a minute. What is the objective of your life and compare it with the objective of the Christian life, the life of Jesus? Do you honestly think that your objective of life is better than his? Your mission is better than his? We can talk about whether or not Christians, whether I live up to that ideal. And you could just tell that that was something for him that he had never considered before. You know, Christians are often, you know, accused of being holier than thou. And I think it's important for us to recognize that we aren't holier than anyone else except for covered by the blood of Jesus. But what is holy about us is that we are a part of God's family and God's work in the world. And that is what is meant by a saint. This is what J.R. Tolkien's uh, kind of um, theological point was behind the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, and the fact that he had chosen these characters as hobbits. These little characters were not the strongest, they were not the fastest, they were not the fiercest, they were not the wisest, they were not the best, and yet they were chosen to be a part of the mission of what was happening in Middle Earth. This is what sainthood is like. It's kind of, it's, it's similar to knighthood in that regards, that you and I have been called and set apart. I do believe that there are moral implications of sainthood. But as the Bible is very clear, we're not chosen because we're better than any other people, more numerous than other people, stronger than other people. We are chosen in order to be a part of his family and his work in the world. And so let me share with you today one of my favorite kind of holy orders, sainthood passages. This is how I would knight someone a saint and what I want to kind of impart upon like those eighth graders in the confirmation class and upon you as members of the church, as a part of God's family, listen to these instructions from the Apostle Paul. 
I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Let's go back and look at the beginning of that quote and walk through this. Think about this as a commissioning. Think of the gratitude, the remembering, the listening, the love for others, trust in Jesus, partnership, deep understanding, which is wisdom, how they're sharing, there's joy, there is encouragement, and then eventually there is, as you'll notice at the end of this passage, there is refreshment. That is the word for rest. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, refreshment. It's the same word in the original Greek. You see, this is what sainthood is all about, that we are being commissioned to these types of ideals, activities. We're a part of that holy order of seeing these things come to pass. I mean, imagine how our communities and our world and our workplaces and our schools and everything would be different if we actually lived out the sainthood of the calling. This, this is truly the communion of saints that we proclaim in the Apostles' Creed. I went to a school in San Antonio, Texas that's called Trinity University. And there's a true story in the last couple of years of a, a couple of students from Trinity who were hanging out um, in this location in the morning. They were getting some breakfast tacos at this place, Taco Taco, which is close by to the campus. And it really is, according to the Food Network, some of the best tacos in America. They are really, really good. They're not necessarily good for you, but they're really, really good. And one day these group of Trinity students are, are there, it's early in the morning, and all of a sudden there, there's kind of a dispute that breaks out between people who are working there and the owner. And all the people working there immediately drop everything and walk out. And all of a sudden, the, these Trinity students are like watching this go down, and they, um, and they, they know the, the owner of the restaurant from, from being there so often, and they, uh, they, they, they say what's wrong, and they can just tell how the owner is distraught. And this small group of Trinity students uh, said, don't worry, we'll pitch in and we'll help. And so they immediately put on aprons, um, and they took the instructions from the chef and the owner of the restaurant, and they worked all day to make sure that they didn't have to close. And then at the end of the day, when the owner tried to pay them, they refused. They talked about how it was an honor to help out for someone in need. You see, I believe that that small group of students, that they were saints on that day because they were living out with love and with generosity and with joy and with gratitude. They were living out the holy orders, even, even if they didn't fully realize exactly what they were doing. Dear friends in Christ, someone has probably never looked at you and said, you are a saint. You are a part of a communion, a community of people who are bearing God's image in the world. And so just as God has rescued us for salvation, we believe that the purpose of that salvation 
is for us to be the salt and light in the world. We were elected for salvation, but we were also elected for service. We were called to reflect that sainthood, God's holiness in the world. And so think of it this way. This day and every day, your life has been set apart in the same way that a wedding dress is. Not to be untouchable, but for a holy use. This is what God's purpose is for you. It's what God's purpose is for these eighth graders. God has sent you on what looked to be an ordinary walk, but it really is a rescue mission. And because of that, you're a saint. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for the incredible blessing of this day, the celebration of these young lives and the reminder that they are of your goodness that's available to us in the world. We thank you for the baptisms, the, the symbol of your unending love and faithfulness that reminds us of your great promise to us. Lord, help us to not pretend to be holier than thou, to be better than anyone else, but help us to cling to the truth and the reality of your goodness and that your calling is greater than anything in the world. And so help us to recapture a bit of our own sainthood, a bit of the holiness. And we pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus the Christ and all of God's people said, amen.